just last month, my AC went out. At the Interactive Brokers Florida party, we were on a boat and there was outdoor option or indoor option. I chose the indoor option. The AC there went off as well. And then at the gymnasium at Lifetime Fitness, publicly traded company, the AC also went off. So I have, I've had a pretty personally <laughs> negative experience when it comes to ACs. You're listening to IBKR Podcasts. Find more conversations at ibkrpodcasts.com. Please remember any trading discussions are for information purposes only and are not intended to portray recommendations. Please listen to further disclosures at the end of today's episode. Now, welcome to our show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of IBKR Podcasts. I'm your host today, Steve Sosnick, Chief Strategist here at Interactive Brokers. And I'm joined today uh, by my two colleagues, Jose Torres, Senior Economist. Hello, Steve. Great to be here. Hi, Jose. And my longtime colleague, Joe Burke, Head of uh, Fixed Income here at uh, Interactive Brokers. Good afternoon, Steve. Thanks, Joe. Let's jump right into it. Um, and I'm going to start with Jose because we're taping this on the Monday after uh, the, the July employment numbers. Jose, employment report, payrolls report, good, bad, or some of each? Definitely mixed. You had job growth slow pretty significantly from the past few months. You also had the job gains concentrated in non-cyclical areas like healthcare, education, and government, where the more cyclical areas, leisure and hospitality, which was hot for a long time, cooled pretty significantly. Manufacturing cooled, construction cooled. So we had a little bit of a mix there. Now, as far as inflation, you had wages gain above 0.4%. And that is inconsistent with the Fed's 2% target. So still some work to do there. Unemployment rate ticked down, driven by a drop in labor force participation for prime age workers. And also employers, to hedge the rising wage pressures, what they did was they actually reduced hours, right? So that's sort of the dynamic that we're in. So overall, no recession right now but inflation still a very real risk. Well, more pay for fewer hours work doesn't sound like a bad thing for a lot of people. Um, so <laughs> I'm not gonna, but yeah, that my, my take immediately and, and share it if yours is different, Joe, was just sort of there's, there's good and bad in here and you know, people will read into it what they want to, I guess. Yeah, I think that's right. Well, the next one, I'm gonna move over to you, Joe. The, do you attribute the bulk of last week's bond market moves, which were quite substantial, do you attribute it mostly to the increased size of the of the Fed's refunding needs, meaning increased supply, the Fitch downgrade, some of each? Where where do you lean on that one? Yeah, I, I think that the, uh, the the supply is an issue. I think that definitely uh, caused some of the uh, the market to back up. But I'm not sure that Fitch had much to do with it. I think you know people sort of saw that that as somewhat irrelevant. Um, a couple of things that I think happened that were important is. Goldman and Bank of America um, basically suggested we're going to have a soft landing. So that meant, you know, that there's the recessionary fears go away. So the curve starts to normalize a little bit. The other side is that, you know, I've, I've been hearing this a little bit more more recently uh, this week, uh, but the price of oil has been going up for several weeks now. And there's some concern that that will get picked up as increased uh, uh, gas prices and CPI uh, later this week. So I'm being I'm hearing from others in, in the market that you know there's some fear about that and that could cause the, the rates to go higher. Now one of the features of this move that we've seen over the past couple of weeks 
is it's it, it has flattened out the 210 inversion but it was effectively a bear steepener, right. which I think are pretty unusual. Can you just explain a little bit more about bear steepeners and 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 what and when we see them and what they may portend? Yeah, I mean a bear a bear steepener is when the longer end rates rise faster than shorter end rates, and so I think there's the I think again the expectations of a soft landing allows the longer end of the curve to back up further. We don't see them very often, to your point, um, but I think. In addition, the expectations have become no easing in the near future and that higher rates are going to be here for quite a while. And that leads into the next question, which hopefully I'll be able to post this along with the podcast. But I sent each of you guys a chart, which I actually included in the piece that I wrote today, uh, Monday. And it was 30-year monthly chart of the of the spread between twos and tens. And we see on the chart that basically, uh, you know, each of the inversions, each of the times the two the two year yield exceeded the 10 year yield, we were pretty much almost always followed by inflation. There was one head fake in the in the late 90s, but since then it's been actually a perfect predictor. But the interesting part is the recession as defined by NBER didn't start until the curve normalized. Should we be excited by the fact that the inversion is shrinking or should that make us more nervous? And I'll leave it to either of you to answer. I mean, from my perspective, I think as long as employment remains strong, I think that the the likelihood of uh, of recession concerns kind of goes away. Um, the consumer is still spending. Uh, you know, I, I'm not seeing anything really troubling. Jose? Sure. So I, we haven't seen a bear steepener in a long time. And part of that is driven because we haven't seen inflation in such a long time, right? And what bond buyers are examining here, when they take on this 10-year risk, you know, what's going to be their return in excess of inflation? And we've been talking about forecasting a bear steepener for a while in the um, bi-weekly, weekly updates to the IBKR economic landscape. Entering an inflationary regime between three and a half and four and a half percent is supportive of a higher than what we're used to 10 year, right? Uh, at the same time, you have banks preserving their cash due, of course, to higher short-term rates and the regional banking debacle that occurred in March. And you have the Fed backing away as well through quantitative tightening. So who's going to be that incremental buyer over the medium to long term of treasury bonds at yields close to the inflation rate? And I think that we're going to be in a higher for longer yield environment. Joe, does that have any implication for tips? I, I know the tips yield is actually on the relatively high side, and I, I'm kind of throwing this out you from left field a little bit. Uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about the tips very much, but yeah, certainly, um, you know, potentially a lot more downside there or upside yield rather. Okay. That that does pose a bit of risk for inflation hedgers using tips then. Right. Speaking of inflation, Jose, this week's, you know, immediately pretty much, you know, the numbers came out on eight, at 8.30 on Friday, pretty much by 8.32, people's focus had already shifted to CPI and PPI, that, you know, over the coming of this week. What are your what are your opinions or your projections for these numbers going forward? Well, Wall Street is very optimistic about these numbers. They're expecting 0.2% month over month on both readings. I'm actually expecting 0.3% for CPI and 0.3% for PPI as well. And I think 
it's driven mainly by the commodity story, which is geopolitically sensitive. You've had some droughts in the Midwest. You've had some uncertainty related to El Nino. You've had the port blockade in Ukraine. You've had the Saudis and the Russians colluding to cut oil production to keep those prices high, which benefits those economies. Uh, so commodities, Steve, rose about 8% in the month of July, food and oil mainly. Now, when we talk about services, labor market, 0.4% increase month over month in the jobs report. I'm expecting some of that to filter into the CPI as well. Used automobiles, going to provide some relief. The relief that shelter is going to provide is going to be a lot later. A lot of the economists, I think, have made the mistake of thinking that new rents reflect all rents. And while new rents are slipping, most people don't move every year. Most people, due to expectations that stay, landlords, their maintenance costs are going up, their insurance costs are going up. If they have variable mortgages, that's going up, right? So for tenants that are still there and want to stay, landlords are increasing those rents. And I don't think that this report is going to be 0.2% on Thursday. I think it's going to be higher and may even put in question a, uh, a September live meeting. I know the odds right now are pretty low at around 20%. But if we get hot numbers this month and next month, then I think we're going to September might be a 25. Which another interesting thing is, I think most people, you know, the Fed focuses on the core. Um, most people, their their number one inflation signal is the price at the pump, basically. And, you know, I do think there's been some pressure on that. And it's, you know, gasoline prices have risen fa even faster than crude because I think it's underappreciated the fact that refineries have to slow down if the temperature is above 95 degrees Fahrenheit. And so as a result, I, you know, I think that's putting pressure on refined products and we'll see if that spills back into consumer sentiment. Another thing which I would love to throw out for discussion is I, I have a theory that may be a little bit wacky and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try it out on you guys. I think the, the heat waves are a, are a real headwind for the consumer. And the reason being, you've got 80 million people dealing with hotter weather in the US than they've ever had to deal with. You know, in some cases, it's 95 degrees at, at two in the morning. So your air conditioner, if you live in one of these states, is running 24-7. And, and, and you may not even get the relief you need. Uh, but you have to do it basically to survive. And we also learned uh, in a survey, I think, it was a, I think it was a Bloomberg Morning Consult survey, that only 46% of Americans can meet a $400 unexpected expense, a surprise expense. And... I'd have to believe utility bills. Anecdotally, I spoke to a friend of mine in Houston. She said her bill was up about $200 over the record high, you know, last month. What does this do for consumers? What does this do for spending? And can that, can that be a real recessionary input, uh, you know, recessionary influence? Since I'm not going to say you're lighting the money on fire. It's the opposite. But you're basically using that money to, to finance utilities, not any sort of spending that you really want to do. I'll throw this open to either of you guys. Does this, does it, and tell me if, if you think I'm insane and it doesn't hold water, tell me, tell me that, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a headwind for sure. Um, the only saving grace, if you will, is that the season is relatively short. Mm -hmm. So come September, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to throw off the air conditioners, hopefully. But, but you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's another expense. It's like higher gas prices. It's, you know, it's additional utility um, expenditures. And it's got to, it's got to cut into consumer spending at some point. And if so, and if you agree, Jose, how does that, what are the ramifications for that in the, in the numbers you, you keep an eye on? 
Well, I think it's we've had a tale of two consumers. We've had the mid to high end consumer that refinanced their mortgage in 2021, has a lot of savings, their 401k is doing well this year, recovering from last year. And then you have the working class, lower income cohorts, which are feeling it pretty severely in all aspects of their budget. So I think that to the extent that the high end consumer can continue spending, things will be all right. But I do think that later in the beginning of next year, they're going to slip up. You have some headwinds coming up, like the student loan repayments, mm -hmm. uh, the Red Book retail sales. I mean, it's a really ugly chart, you know, and it reflects mainly goods, but still. And to our point later earlier on rate sensitivity, you know, the amount of stimulus that was unleashed and corporate balance sheets, a lot of that refinancing that happened, a lot of uh, the savings that occurred on their households really made it where the weakness from the rate sensitive sectors, manufacturing, real estate takes a lot longer to transition to the overall economy. And that's why I think that everyone is so perplexed on the street. When is the recession coming? We all feel like at some point it's going to come. We just we're just we were just early so many times. Uh, and I'll finish off with a few anecdotes, Steve. Just last month, my AC went out. At the Interactive Brokers Florida party, we were on a boat and there was outdoor option or indoor option. I chose the indoor option. The AC there went off as well. And then at the gymnasium at Lifetime Fitness, publicly traded company, the AC also went off. So I have, oh. I've had a pretty personally <laughs> negative experience when it comes to ACs and they're totally absolutely needed uh, when it's hot. So we all, we have to keep that on. Well, Jose, just for those of you who don't know, Jose is based in our Florida office. And what it means is when I see you next, hopefully it'll be in cooler weather. So we don't have to, you don't have to be the AC jinx when I see you. On that note, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my guests today, um, as I mentioned, have been Jose Torres, our senior economist, Joe Burke, our head of fixed income. I'm Steve Sosnick, chief strategist here at Interactive Brokers. And thanks once again for tuning into IBKR Podcasts, which can be found, well, you've already found us. So IBKR Campus and at all the various uh, places you might find a podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening to IBKR Podcasts. As always, we have more episodes at IBKRPodcasts.com. And if you're interested in learning more about Interactive Brokers, visit IBKR.com. We offer more trading education material, such as webinars at ibkrwebinars.com, financial and economic commentary at tradersinsight.news, market-related courses at tradersacademy.online, and quant-related articles at ibkrquant.com. The analysis in this material is provided for information only and is not and should not be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security. To the extent that this material discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic or political conditions, it should not be construed as research or investment advice. To the extent that it includes references to specific securities, commodities, currencies, or other instruments, those references do not constitute a recommendation by IBKR to buy, sell, or hold such investments. The material does not and is not intended to take into account the particular financial conditions, investment objectives, or requirements of individual customers. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and is necessary seek professional advice. Futures are not suitable for all investors. The amount you may lose may be greater than your initial investment. Before trading futures, please read the CFTC Risk Disclosure. A copy and additional information are available at ibkr.com.